saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Lent to all of you this Thursday, March the 10th, as the light of Christ shines on us again from Matthew chapter 21. We've been in Matthew 21 for quite a while, but there's so much to unpack. Now we have just gotten through the time where Jesus calls baloney on the temple authorities, and now he continues to teach about the kingdom through weird situations, uh, fig trees asking questions that they don't have an answer for, and yet another parable. One of our challenges with our verses today, and I get I do this quite often, is I get lost in some of the little details and forget the overall message that Jesus is giving us. So let's make sure we see the main point. Make sure we open up our Bibles, put on our Christ goggles for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. To hear about their great work around the world, visit lhfmissions.org, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we have the honor and joy to have with us Pastor Drew Ross of Christ Lutheran Church in Costa Mesa, California. Pastor Ross, happy Lent and welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you very, very much. It's great to be with you guys. I've been looking forward to today and Matthew chapter one, as you were just saying, this is a rich text worth looking at today. Pastor, this is our first time together. We have, uh, well, I'll say this. Pastor Ross and I met in 1998 in August at the the campus of Concordia University in Seward, Nebraska. And I remember this, and I'll say this out loud, is I remember because that dude has earrings. What is going on with this guy? So, Pastor, with that introduction, tell us about yourself, your family, and the work of the saints at Christ Lutheran. Oh, great. Thank you for the invitation to be here. And I'll tell you what, I remember fondly back in August of 1998 and some of those same moments that we shared. Yeah, back in the day, I thought uh, I thought I was pretty cool with those earrings. Uh, those, those are no longer those are no longer in my head at all. Uh, but I'll tell you what, back in the 90s, I thought I had something to prove and I was hoping everybody was going to notice it right there on my ears. But That's right. Uh, That's right. It, it and is, I did. It is great to be able to join you guys today uh, here. I am, I am, just as you said, I'm from Christ Lutheran Church and School in Costa Mesa, California in Orange County. Uh, it's a joy to be able to join with you. I'm uh, I'm able to, to celebrate the fact that I'm even here in the same campus building with uh, with my kids who go to school here. I've got a wife that teaches here at school. I've got two of my kids are here in fifth grade and seventh grade. I've got another son uh, that's in high school as well. All the way back in 1998 when when uh, uh, when we were first having those conversations, I'm not sure, so sure we ever thought we'd be here in life, but here we are. Yeah. Mm, amen to that. Amen to that. Pastor, uh, uh, what was I going to ask? I forgot you had a school. Tell us, tell us a little bit about your school and the, and the mission there. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a preschool through uh, through eighth grade right here uh, on our campus. It's just it's been wonderful because, as a matter of fact, that our school over the years has been a, a source of stability in this congregation. Then it's also had uh, its patches where we needed to work things out, and uh, uh, what God has done here in the past couple of years has been incredible. In fact, our enrollment has has uh, doubled in size here, and so while there's been a lot of challenges, of course, that all of us have been facing, especially uh, with 
schools. God has been paving the way. We've been seeing uh, the work of the Holy Spirit here every single day, and we are welcoming new families uh, into the fullness of life of Christ right here uh, in Costa Mesa, which is a joy to be able to do uh, anywhere in the country. But I know a number of people look out to California and say, what in the world is going on out there? I'll tell you what's going on. Mm. Uh, The Holy Spirit's moving. He's driving people in towards churches so people can receive the nourishment that only Jesus provides. And we are uh, we are thrilled to be able to do that here in Costa Mesa. Well, and that's why we do what we do here. And a reminder to our listeners to continue to pray. As you said, uh, we can kind of look at different parts of the country, especially like us Minnesotans. We're like, why would you want to live there? And then we get to January, like, that's why we want to live there. But anyways, yeah. is uh, the ministry happens in so many different contexts and so many blessings that we have. So that is the joy of, of hearing that. So keep uh, Christ Lutheran in your prayers and Pastor Ross and the teachers of the school. So, Pastor, but we're here to be in the word of God. And like you said the fullness of Christ and to be renewed only the way that our Lord can give through Jesus. And we do that today in the word. So can you begin our time in prayer? Absolutely. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we look forward uh, to to witnessing what you're going to accomplish today by uh, by us opening up our scriptures, uh, unveil it to us, show us what it is that you would have for us. As, as the psalmist said, allow us to read it and then inwardly digest uh, what, you, what you would have for us today, especially through all of this text. Point out to us Jesus, his redemptive work for the people then, but also uh, his redemptive work for us today, even as we worship in the season of Lent. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text today, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. Or on this live program today, send it, call in, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. Pastor, we're going to begin by hearing all of our verses, which begins in Matthew chapter 21, verses 18, and we'll go through verse 32, right smack dab in the middle of this wonderful chapter. And as we hear this, I'll be reading from the English standard version. So we begin to hear God's word, beginning in verse 18. In the morning, as Jesus was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, may no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what you have done, what has been done to this fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. And when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I also will ask you one question. And if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, from where did it come? From heaven or from man? As they discussed it among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they, will, they all hold John was a prophet. For they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. What do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, son, go and do work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. 
And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, the tax collectors, and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in a way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the attack that tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. Pastor, as I read these again, there's there's a lot. There's a lot there. Um, we're we're going to get through this. But wow, there is, like you said so wonderfully, the, there's a richness to this. But also we could easily get lost in the weeds. So how do you want to start us off so we start off on the right foot? Okay, great. Uh, just as you were saying, there, there is so much, and and if people have their Bibles open, they might even be able to see that it's it's broken into these into these chunks here. And so I think that we're going to be able to look at these these chunks of text today, but yet see how every last bit of it certainly does weave together. And and no matter whether you look forward or backward, it increases our understanding. And so it's worth just kind of staring at the words and the point of the text here. But as you've been doing, uh, going through chapter 21, uh, you, you've already led us through towards this area where Jesus cleanses the temple. But I, I think mm-hmm. that some clarity for these verses that begin, as you said, in verse 18, some clarity takes place if we look back just a little bit. So if I could point us back towards verse 14. What's just happened is that Jesus there in Jerusalem, he's, he's cleansed the temple. Okay, many of us, we remember that. Jesus, uh, this is the Sunday school lesson, right? He drives uh, all these people out who are selling things in the temple. But in verse 14, right after he does that, I think this is significant. It says, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. So we get used to reading that in the Bible. Jesus healed, Jesus healed, mm-hmm. Jesus healed. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine what this looks like if you just saw the Son of Man heal somebody in front of you? So while it's, it's put there in just a few words in one verse, it's worth noticing what that would do to your spirit if you watch Jesus just heal. And we see what, what happens in some people's spirit. They've, they've witnessed Jesus just provide some healing. Then verse 15, but when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did. Okay, it's called even wonderful. They saw the wonderful things that he did. Here's what we see the children doing. The children are crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. Mm -hmm. So if there's somebody who is not questioning the authority of Jesus here in this text, it's the children who are there, the children who are witnessing, the children who are are listening. They're pointing this out. This is the son of David, Hosanna, the righteous one, the coming Messiah, the one that my grandparents have been telling me about and their grandparents were telling them about. He's right here. The children are screaming it out. And then here we come again back to the uh, to, to, to the chief priests and they became indignant back mm-hmm. at them. I think it's important to pick to picture that because that's the, that's the setting that leads us into our text today of Jesus curses the fig tree. He's just had this moment in the temple. He cleansed it. The children are rejoicing in who he is. The chief priests, the ones who have been challenging him from the beginning, they're about to challenge him again. And then he leaves the city. Isn't that interesting that right after the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, after everybody's been waving the palm branches and going nuts, that then he leaves the city? (laughs) Exactly. Just imagine in the darkness of the night, he's like, that was a great party. I'm, I'm leaving. 
I'm gonna go home. I, I, Maybe I he was an introvert. Story. Jesus, Maybe the introvert. Yeah. He's like, enough is enough. I'm out. I, Jesus, out. And, and then it says and, that he and, goes to, to Bethany. Yeah. And, yeah. and what I find interesting then in, in Bethany is that you look in some commentaries, it doesn't say here, you know, whose house does he go to? Where does he stay overnight? You know, uh, some people mm. have said, well, this is Mary and Martha, right? They're going to Mary and Martha and, and, and sure. Lazarus's house. And, and then at verse 18, as we jump into this text, it says early in the morning, he's coming back to the city. Okay, so he left the city. Now he's coming back, this time without the triumphal entry. No party. But he comes back. And I like this part at the beginning. He was returning to the city and he became hungry. Yeah. He became, you know, it's funny that he just left the house of Mary and Martha, the two that are always serving people and like waking up early and giving breakfast and they forgot or something. Cause Jesus is apparently that he shows up hungry before he sees this fig tree. So maybe he's just hangry, but he looks at the fig tree by the wayside and he went to it and found nothing on it, but only the leaves and said mm-hmm. to it, may no fruit ever come from you again it sounds rather drastic don't don't you think oh, it's crazy. Bennett, that this sounds it, drastic crazy. here well this is mean jesus you know this is this the, is, mean this is the meanie this is mean mean unknowing jesus you know because i remember going through old, the new, new testament class at concordia i'm gonna keep going back to this concordia nebraska and david meyer was the the professor and he just said does this show that jesus did not know and i remember i'm sitting there like I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's happening here. He, he should know. He's God. Is he not God? What's happening? And and I was thinking in my mind, I still am today, is I think of fig newtons. This is a detail that can't get out of my mind. Like, why would he eat something that would make fig newtons? This does not sound like a good reality for someone who's hungry. But that's, that's how my mind goes. Thankfully, you're more focused than me, Pastor. Is So he leaves. He's hungry. And then he gets angry at it and then just kind of cuts it off. Yeah, this is the mean, unknowing Jesus. Pastor, how would you? So you have like a, a confirmation. One of your kids at your school, one of your kids at your home, they come to you and say, Pastor, um, this is mean Jesus. How would you direct them or how, what would you say to them? You know, I've, I've read uh, that that we become we become confused when we look at this text because this is one of the destructive miracles of Jesus. Right? And, and we can't recall too many destructive miracles of Jesus. We remember uh, when when he sent the evil spirit into the page, right? and then they kind of like run off the cliff. That's a destructive miracle. And, and isn't it true that when you look at really anybody, well, let's go with your question of confirmation student, when you have them read that text and they, and they say, uh, then the pigs just ran off the cliff and then, and then they, they died. And, and, we're, and we're supposed to read that and be like, uh, this is the word of the Lord. Or because it's a gospel, this is the gospel of the Lord. Praise right. to you, O Christ. That's weird. <laughs> right? It's a destructive right. miracle. But, but here's what I'm noticing as I keep looking at this text. Right before it says that there is no fruit, uh, right before he said no fruit may ever come from you ever again. Right before that, it said that there were leaves that were on the tree. Now, I don't know a whole lot about fig trees, but I have to admit I've done a little bit of looking. And uh, I found the same thing that you did. I thought that fig newtons grew on there, but they they don't apparently. <laughs> and so that's, I mean, that's another destructive miracle of Jesus. I thought that he had a, a tree that grew fig newtons, but he, but he doesn't. That's right. But wh- that's right. What I did learn from reading about fig trees is that they only produce fruit when there's leaves on the trees. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, 
Therefore, if Jesus is seeing that there's leaves on the tree, as he nears the tree, he, he should only be able to presume because there's leaves on the tree, there should also be fruit on the tree. And because there are leaves on the tree, he goes, he goes closer to get the fruit of the tree. And it's only when he gets up close that he notices, wait a minute, this is different this time. There is, there is the clothing of something on this tree, but it's not, it's not presenting itself correctly. The leaves are here, but the fruit is not here. Therefore, now I'm going to cause this destructive miracle because this tree is not clothed correctly. It's supposed to provide uh, sustenance and nourishment, but it's not. And I'll use California language. It's a poser of a tree, right? Mm, it's, nice. it's, it's, not, it's not presenting itself in the most honest way. It's not so we could, providing fruit. We, we could use this language. It, it, it walks like a duck. It sounds like a duck, but it's not. Yeah. A duck. That's the Midwestern uh, version of what you just said. I think your pastor. Okay. And if we look at this, the question then comes, there probably is a bigger meaning to what he's doing to this fig tree. What would you, what would you say? Are we ready to go there already? Or or do we have to go to the next? I think so. I do. I I think that we're ready. We're ready to to head there. And and I think that we're also going to see this reflected later in the text. So I don't, I don't want to jump to the conclusion. We, We still got too much to go through between now and then. But it is starting to, sh- to show us that, is it possible for even people like you and me, for all of us as, as listeners today, is it possible for us to present ourselves as righteous and obedient to Christ and as those who are following in the desires and the purposes of Jesus for our life? But yet when people actually draw nearer to us, they see that our clothing deceived them. And we actually are not providing nourishment for them. Maybe I'll I'll leave that kind of there because we're going to probably come back to that today. But then as we do look towards these these future verses and verses uh, 20 through 22, it doesn't say that the the disciples notice now, wait a minute, there's there's no there's no figs on on that tree. And then Jesus has caused it to to wither. And now Jesus goes in, into that part that is so intriguing about prayer in verse 21. Truly, I say to you, you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even you, the apostles of me, Jesus is saying, but even you can do this. Even you, apostles of me, can say to the mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. Whatever you ask for in prayer you will receive if you have faith. I think there he's challenging the faith of the apostles, saying you too have this ability. But while he's challenging challenging the faith of the apostles, he is also challenging us and saying something to the, to the extent of it seeds what we ever asked for. Are you comprehending this? Your faith in me that knows what I can do. And as we hear this, it, it, like you say, get lost in the weeds. I know in the commentaries I read, it really focused the attention on faith. That specifically, as he talked about cleansing the temple, that and I, I love how I love how you, you're bring you're bringing it back to us because this really does hit us, and we have to be careful how far we go um, because it, it it can lead so quickly to misunderstanding. But definitely, he's calling out faith of the religious leaders 
as he cleansed the temple yesterday, uh, we were not, not not yesterday, Tuesday, we were reminded that that it, it wasn't so much he cleaned out the temple and said, OK, now everything is good. No, because he is the temple. So this isn't like clean it out a little bit and you're good to go. No, it's the whole institution that the religious leaders had leaves. But yet they weren't bearing fruit because they mm-hmm. lacked faith. And, 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 and it brings it back to exactly what you're saying is people look at us and, and they're like, wow, walks like a duck, talks like a duck. But wait a second, what's happening? And so this is why Lent leads us to that wonderful joy of repentance. And as John the mm-hmm. Baptist said, he, he called them brood of vipers, bear fruit with bearing with repentance. We mm-hmm. live that same way. And, um, and as we come to this, these verses that can be quite troubling, it's good for us to remember a few realities. I think one of them is, is this descriptive or prescriptive, I mm-hmm. think is a good analysis for us to think about in 21 and 22. Also, was this for all of us? Was it specific to that time? And what's the overarching thought? So, Pastor, um, I've never seen anyone move mountains, so let's start there. So any thoughts on how would you address that? Back to confirmation. says, well, pastor, so if I just believe yeah. strong enough, I'll be able to move mountains. What would you tell them? You know, it, it is interesting that you actually went towards back to that confirmation because that's exactly what I was going to reply with. I, I think yeah, yeah. that if we're sitting down with a student, really, again, here's if we're sitting down with any of us just in one-on-one conversation, we're saying, where, where can we go with this? How often is it that I'm sitting down with a, a young person and and uh, maybe they say, just this morning, I was sitting down with a young person and they were talking about a test that they have later today. And so we talked about that. Hey, did you did you study? Yeah, I studied. You think you studied enough? I, you know, I, I studied a lot. I probably could have done a little bit more, but, but I did put in the effort towards studying. Okay, good. Uh, did you read all of the necessary texts that you're supposed to, to read to prepare for this test? Yeah, yeah, I did that too. Have you had conversations with your friends about what you think the test is going to be like? Have you been able, did you talk on the phone the last couple of days, you know, and try to figure out, hey, what do you think is going to be on the test? Yeah, 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 they did all of that. And then we come to this question. Hey, did you actually think about, did, did you pray to God today and say, hey, God, uh, you've given me this wonderful academic institution where I get to learn. And now I have all of this information that's in the recesses of my brain. Hey, when I'm in this test today, oh Lord, will you draw that information out Mm. that I may remember it and that I may express it and that I can actually do a good job on this test today. And and for some people, they may hear that and say, are are you over spiritualizing things a bit? No, I don't (laughs) think so. I'm not convinced of that. I do think that it's relevant to pray about all things. So maybe while in this text is saying you can go ahead and move mountains, maybe for our context today, it's a reminder that we can actually pray about all things. You can pray about that test. I was talking to another person this morning who who was going in. They were uh, going to go see a doctor later today. And it's not for anything really major, but, you know, we spend a little bit of time to do it just to pray. God reveal whatever it is to the doctors that needs to get revealed. Prepare my body to receive the treatment that is necessary that I may be treated and will be treated well. Isn't it actually relevant to turn our prayers to God in all things and to acknowledge the fact that all those, those prayers that I just said are little are actually massive? To recall information from the recesses of your brain. I don't have the capability of doing that, but I know that God 
can. I don't have the ability to prepare my body physically to be treated or to have something even inserted inside of it if you're fixing my bones. But God can do that and he will listen. So maybe while I'm not, again, moving mountains from one place to the next, I'm just looking out my window and looking at some some mountains right now. While I'm not moving any of those mountains, I can realize that I do have a it appears we kind of lost Pastor Drew right in the middle of the greatest attitude of faith. <laughs> hey, Pastor, we lost you there for a little bit. Um, I don't want you to necessarily repeat it because you were on such a roll, but we lost you for a little bit. We'll probably try to um, take our break here relatively soon to see if there's any kinks we need to work okay. out. But, Pastor, any if we're still together here, you were saying, I was looking at the mountains, and I have a God silence. So I don't uh, know if you can rehash right that, that in spot, any way. What I said right then was going to change the world. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> what it was is, yeah, I'm, I, well, I can't move those mountains. I have a God who can move those mountains. I have a faith in a God who can move those mountains. I have a faith in a God who can heal my body. I have a faith in a God who can help me through my tests. I have a faith in a God who can lead me towards a greater understanding when that's what I ask of him. And so maybe while I can't move those mountains, the, the strength of faith here is to believe that I have a God who can and I have a God who will and in many cases a God who has. And so as we hear that, Pastor, yeah, I, I apologize. During our break, we'll we'll have you restart and see if we make sure we don't have any more um, mix-ups. But anyways, it 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 brings us back to the faith, but not faith in faith. Faith is in something, and that faith mm -hmm. is in God. Um, there's some commentaries who say that what he's speaking about is specific for the apostles. But at the same time, I never heard of Peter, you know, standing there by the Jordan River and all of a sudden moving a mountain right in the middle of the Jordan River. You know, you never hear that in the Bible. So we're kind of left in that big, I don't know. But Pastor, you've already brought us back to that we don't want to make faith this big thing where we're like, oh, is, is it strong enough? Is it not strong enough? And we can just all of a sudden start becoming fruit inspectors of our own faith as opposed to looking to what our faith is in. And so mm -hmm. that's something for us to keep in mind as we look at our text today. I want to do this, Pastor. I want to read verses 23 through 27, and then we will go to our break to kind of wet our pout a little bit because it goes from there. So they're like, okay, all right, we get it. Now the question is, so by what authority? And then Jesus turns it back on them. It's just a wonderful text. So I'll read these verses and we'll go right to our break. And when Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I also ask you one question, and if you will tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, from where did it come, and from, from heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then do you not believe? But if you say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you, by what authority I do these things. Right now, uh, let's, let's let that uh, simmer a little bit and let's take our break. We are studying Matthew 21 with Pastor Drew Ross and we'll be right back.
These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. And welcome back. We are studying Matthew 21 with Pastor Drew Ross of Christ Lutheran Church and School in Costa Mesa, California. And uh, Pastor, we, you know, you really brought us back to the object of our faith, which Jesus is, I mean, it's always interesting to me, like you said, that he he goes in the temple, people blind and lame are healed, and they're the children. We always think of the children are singing this only on the streets, and I, you know, I never, I guess I haven't really looked at this close enough to realize they were actually doing it in, in, in the temple as well. I mean, it's just this wonderful reality, mm-hmm. the fruitfulness and the faith and all of this. And then it comes back to this kind of a, uh, you know, the, 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 the fig tree. Um, they're marveling and he's speaking to them about faith. And to me, it brings us back to that out of, out of the mouth of babes once again, of the joy of seeing that faith um, in these children. And then he starts talking to the adults and they kind of, well, they kind of mess it up again. Um, (laughs) So, and then, so pastor, anything else prior to what I just read in verses 18 through 22, you wanted to highlight? No, I think we were able to to cover a lot of what I had intended to there. I'll tell you what, now as we jump into this verse 23, you know, I I keep looking at all these sections thinking, well, maybe there'll be less in the next section, but it's not happening. The the scripture (laughs) remains just as rich in the next section as well. So, so this, I found this interesting that he goes back to the temple. I mean, he, you know, he, he went and maybe had, maybe he had dinner or a late night snack with Mary and Martha. We don't know that for sure. It was kind of fun to think about. But it wasn't enough because he's still hungry. He's still hungry. Yep, exactly. And then he comes back and he goes to the same place that he had problems before. And then the chief priests and elders don't deny him. They actually go up to him and they start testing him once again. What are they trying to do in your thoughts as we look at the text? Well, you know, I was going to say the same thing as you. Isn't that wild that where Jesus just in the in the previous section where he had cleansed the temple in that spot, then he leaves, you're right, and then he makes it directly back there. And obviously, these same chief priests and elders of the people, they've they've seen the whole thing. Okay, they were likely the same people that had become indignant after he had just healed people up in verse 14. They're the same people who now they've at least, if they didn't, if they didn't see this, this happen with the fig tree, they've heard about it. Okay, they, they've certainly heard about this when we get into verse 23. And now he enters the temple and the chief priests, the elders, the people came up to him as they're teaching. And they're saying, by what authority are, are you doing these things? Which is meaning, by what authority are you teaching, right? And by what, what authority are you even doing this to the fig trees in our area? And I think it's interesting, don't you, that, that when, they, when they challenge Jesus, they keep challenging him by what authority? Right? They don't say, I don't believe that you didn't do that. They don't say, uh, I didn't like that you did that. They just say, by what authority are you doing this? Which means that they're acknowledging mm. this is happening. Miracles are taking place. People are being healed. Uh, even, even miracles of destruction are happening with fig trees. All of this is happening. I can't deny that. But by what authority are you doing this? What's the authority? And, and perhaps they're always challenged because they're used to being the people in authority. 
this is uh, maybe perhaps a, a strange story, but I was just talking to a, a, a trusted Bible study leader here in, in Southern California recently. And he said that he was meeting with somebody that he knew had a, uh, an elevated position among the Catholic diocese here in Southern California. But that, that person uh, of the Catholic faith said something very interesting to him just the other day. He said, uh, I am a Pharisee. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Because I read about Pharisees in the Bible, I, I I have never had a conversation with somebody who has just come out and said, "Well, I, I am a Pharisee." Mm-hmm. And as this trusted Bible study leader then was carrying the conversation with him, he said, uh, "Tell me, why are you challenged by Scripture at times than as a Pharisee?" And he said, "Well, because I have more authority than the Scriptures do." Man, that was really strange and odd for me to hear that somebody would would believe that, number one, and that somebody actually would even be willing to say that, number two. But perhaps it allows me to understand this text a little bit more if the Pharisees or the chief priests are saying, by what authority do you do this? Because in my world, I am the one of the greatest authority. So by what authority do you uh, do do this is a cause for me to have question in my head. Why is it that authority is what challenges uh, the, the chief priests and Pharisees. Well, I think it'd be for any of us that um, when we feel, I say feel like we have control, maybe I can say it in that language, because I, I don't really use that word authority a whole lot in my life. Um, mm-hmm. But control, if I feel I have control of my house or control of um, the different aspects of like hosting this or something along those lines, and I feel like I'm losing that control, then I'm going to naturally start kind of, uh, you know, ruffling my feathers a little bit and, and beating my chest and try to show that, hey, you know, what's going on? So that's, they they want the control is kind of how I've always seen it. And it seems to be mm-hmm. a big concern throughout um, you know, doing something the Sabbath. And it wasn't so much that they said, did he do that? That didn't seem to yeah. be a problem, like you said. But the issue yeah. was by whose authority and partly because it's mine and probably a little bit of a testing of faith as well, I would guess. Any thoughts? You know, we, we have this weird culture that we're living in right now, right, that involves a cancel culture. I'm sure everybody, all of our listeners are are, are aware of this. And, and yet at the same time, isn't this a reminder that perhaps perhaps it just really is true that nothing is new that's under the sun? Because while we live in this cancel culture now and we say, oh, my goodness, this is such a new thing that we're living through. Isn't this what those who are in positions of authority in the text are trying to do to Jesus? At any chance, they have an opportunity. Let's just cancel this guy. Let's get rid of this guy so that we sure. don't have to hear of this anymore. And and that's a part of why what I find so intriguing then about Jesus's response as, as he says, okay, yeah. you're, mm-hmm. you're challenging me. You want to silence me. So perhaps what I'm going to do is I'm going to allow you to speak more because he answers them with the question. You know, sometimes when I feel challenged, I want to provide an answer and I want to hear less from the challenger because I don't want their words to eventually overwhelm me and maybe win the discussion. But Jesus says, I'm going to give you a voice. And so now that you've challenged me, I'm going to give you a voice. And then verse 24, you notice there it says, I also will ask you a question. If you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. Okay, I'm going to play your game. Verse 25, (laughs) the baptism of John. From where did it come? From heaven or from man? And and you you know the important part here is that he's, he's using the baptism of John as an example, but he could have used a number of things as an example. The point is he's trying to figure mm-hmm. out, uh, do you think that these words come from heaven 
or from man. And then, and then we just watch as these chief priests, they know the answer, right? We read this text. They're going to pretend like they don't know the answer, but they do know the answer. They know what they're they supposed to say. Uh, and, and so then I get troubled. I start to look at this. I wonder why, why are they just unwilling? Why are they unwilling to, to give the answer? Pastor Finner, what, what, do you, what do you think here? How do you think we're supposed to wrestle with this, uh, with this answer that they're, that they're struggling to give? Well, I'll, I'll say this to begin. Now, first of all, Pastor Ross, most time people don't ask me questions, so you're catching me off guard here. This is this oh is a good challenge. You're, you're doing what Jesus did to them to me. Unbelievable. That's Anyways, right. No. I've been practicing. <laughs> but I, I love the uh, first of all, I love uh, I love the approach, and I think there's a little bit of a um, a teaching moment there for us as well that we are so quick to think we have that we have to have the right answer with everything like you said in cancel culture that we sometimes need to take a step back ask good questions that we don't need to have the answer right away that we ask good questions mm. back at a culture to to make sure we're focused on the right thing which is obviously mm. what he's pointing us to which is himself and the faith that is founded on nothing less than jesus blood and righteousness so that's the first thing mm. the second thing um is is that reality of um they know the answer you can almost just feel it they say well it's from heaven He'll say, then, why don't you believe? And that's kind of like them saying, clearly he's from heaven. Mm-hmm. John the Baptist mm-hmm. is from heaven. Oh, yuck. Um, but I don't, if we admit that, guess what? That changed my job. That changes my health benefits. Yes. You know, that changes my retirement benefits. That changes <laughs> possibly my relationship with my dad. And you can't watch football on Sundays. I mean, I'm using all, you know, modern examples, but we have that too, where we are afraid that this will change my daily life. And they know the answer, but they, for whatever reason, are afraid because probably because it will change their life so drastically. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with, and, and as I was saying before, and as you just cleared up too, they, they know the answer. You know, if we say that it's from heaven, well, then, then we're wrong. And everything that we've been trying to cling to is wrong. So therefore, I'd like to say mm. that it's from man. But if I say it's from man, then all these people around me are going to turn on me because then they're going to say that I don't believe in the heavenly things. Or I don't believe that the things can come down from heaven. And so I've noticed even in my own life, maybe some of our ears have too, that oftentimes when I need to make a decision or I need to provide an answer, but it is going to be contrary to a number of people that are going to hear my answer that are around me, it makes me also want to be a coward and just say, you know, I I don't know. I don't know the answer. But in their saying, I don't know really at the end, right? That's what they're saying is I don't know. Every single person, including Jesus, says you have actually given me your answer. You are unwilling to say that that this comes from heaven. You're unwilling to say that Jesus's authority comes from heaven. You're unwilling to say, maybe this is the most critical point, that Jesus himself comes from heaven. The one whose blood Uh is about to be shed for the forgiveness of sins for all people for all time comes from heaven. And his authority is greater than yours. It's just it's just plain greater. Hmm. And this is where. Yeah, this this really, I think, comes back to us is that Jesus does not leave room for diplomacy. 
in this mm. in this question, which is very frustrating because we we naturally want to be diplomatic where, OK, all right, if I say this, they will be offended. If they say this, they will be offended. And therefore, I'm going to do this middle ground. Now, a reminder to you, listeners, is there's times where we can say we don't know. You know, it, it goes back to confirmation. You know, a kid will ask, like, yep. you know, so 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 how many days were there between creation and the fall? And then and then they have all these series at the end of it. We always will just say, well, we don't know. We don't officially yeah. know how that all came together. I mean, we know a lot, but we don't know at all. And then just go down the list, all these things. Why do you think Jesus said this? Why do you think this happened here? We don't know. But this question is very clear yes. that there's no room for we don't know when it comes to, to, to them and Christ, which is why when Jesus says, um, who do you say that I am, you know? Um, they can no longer be diplomatic. They couldn't say, well, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist, da, da, da. Nope, they can't say that. Diplomacy's gone. Yes. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And that's where God, cha Jesus challenged them to the one who could move mountains and obviously died on a mountain for them. That is, yeah. so then Jesus leaves it. He's like, you know what? If you're not going to commit, I'm not going to, that's it. <laughs> you know, you feel it. You know it. It's over. So, Pastor, any last thoughts? Because I think this really leads us to the parable of the two sons in a beautiful way. Yeah. But before that, any other thoughts you have on the text so far? No, I, I think you just nailed it right there at the end. This is, this is Jesus's mic drop, right? It's a mic drop situation. Right. Boom. I'm out. You know, we, we oftentimes here at our school, I'll go into a classroom and we have these kind of like stump the pastor conversations or questions, especially if, if, if a class, we, we call it discipleship class here. If in their discipleship classes, uh, they've been having a lot of questions, eventually they'll, they'll call me in and it becomes this really rich, intense time filled with questions and answers. But I almost every single time start off with what you were just saying. I let them know. I say, listen, I'm going to reveal to you or unveil to you uh, what scripture provides as answers to your questions. But many times I perhaps am going to answer with, I don't know. And here's the reason why it's because that at times can be the greatest theological answer. I do not know because let us not get into the habit of adding to scripture or subtracting from scripture. Instead, let us be in the habit of only simply applying the scripture that has been written and revealed. Therefore, at times, I don't know. But as you just so eloquently pointed out, to answer the question that Jesus was given to them, there was an answer. It wasn't that there was a lack of, there was just a lack of courage to provide to Jesus the right answer that Jesus, the authority that you have is from heaven. And this brings me, um, yeah, it's a very, it's a very humbling reality for us to cling to the promises that God gives to us. And we lose sight, including myself. We lose sight of the great richness of answers that we have. It's not like, mm -hmm. oh, man, he really didn't give us very much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, he, mm -hmm. he didn't provide enough for me to be able to be sustained um, because he gives us what we need as opposed to what we want. And, and this is just another reminder for you, our listeners, is as, as he speaks to us to pray, you know, one of the greatest ways of, of expressing our faith, of proclaiming our faith is through prayer, because we believe this God who created the mountains is the one who hears our prayers. And so this is another just 
this plea for you to pray for our churches as they engage um, young people and and people older and people who don't believe and all of this that God God gives us the answers and it's found in Christ the the solid rock um, the, the one that we base everything upon and when he when when he when he comes in there are times that he does things we don't fully understand like how you said it today miracles of destruction. I never thought, mm. I never I've heard that uh, connection before, but he does that not for the sake of throwing them aside, but showing them, listen, this is where your hope is founded. Don't deny. There is a line that we're going to have to draw someday and you don't want to be in the wrong side of that. But here it is for you. His grace is sufficient and his love is for all founded in the Mount of uh, Mount Golgotha um, for you and for me. Pastor, let's get to the parable. I want to read this again. Okay. There's a wonderful way that I, I saw a commentary person write this is it's the 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 parable of the no yes and the yes no sons <laughs> i thought that was a good way to put it the no yes and the yes no sons and what does this mean for us so let's hear these words verse 28 through 32 what do you think a man had two sons and he went to the first and said son go and work in the vineyard today and he answered i will not but afterward he changed his mind and went and he went to the other son and said the same and he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? Um, uh, they said the first. I'm going to stop there just for the, just for the moment okay. to set the context. This is what I found. Pastor, I want to hear your thoughts. Is The first yeah. son is the no yes. And by the way, I can sympathize with this because yeah. there's, you know I grew up in a house where my dad we would cut our own wood and burn wood in the winter and all that. There were times dad's like, all right, go out there and get some wood and put it in. And I didn't say no, but I wanted to say no. <laughs> um, and so you felt this internal, I don't want to go out in middle Minnesota in the middle of winter. I don't want to do any of that. So I, I sympathize with these sons on both levels. But the first son is the no yes son. He says no, but then he feels guilty and he goes and does it. Yeah. And then the second son is a yes, no, that he says yes, but he doesn't do it. So then he's then this brings us to the question of which one of these is doing the will of the father. And they say the first, but I'm still kind of left with that. I'm not sure who's faithful in mm. that situation. Any thoughts to kind of lay the groundwork a little bit on those those two sons? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I stared at this text a lot in preparation for today because because every time I read this text for the first time, uh, I, I think I'm seeing it the wrong way. And then it's after I read it a second right. and a third and a fourth time that I start to be reminded of what I think Jesus is trying to say. And and one thing that I find so interesting is right after the 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 uh, the no yes then the yes no sons respond. He does ask that question, verse 31, which of the two did the will of his father? And right away, notice, I get the impression that it's, it's an immediate answer. The, the first, that's what they, they, they say, and they get it right. Which one did the will of his father? The first, and they know it. They know it because it's the ones, the one who actually followed through, the one whose actions of faith were actually able to be witnessed and to be seen the one who did the will of the father, which means this, that they get it. Okay. The, those chief priests, those elders of the people, they get it. They know what Jesus is saying up until that point. Now I think they're going to get confused with the second half of this, of this part of the parable, but they know it up until that point. That, that is the a, one. No, it's who, a great connection. It. It's a great connection. 
That's a great connection to right prior to that, that they knew the answer, but yet they still <laughs> left in diplomacy as opposed to faith. Yeah. And here you have that reality that that I, the rest of our text, I think, kind of, it fills in that empty space. But you, you connected that beautifully. So let's read the rest. Um, as Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say it to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes mm. believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pastor, we have, we have about s- seven minutes left, and I okay. want to make sure that we really dig into yeah. this. But right now, you have the yes, no, you have the no, yes, and the yes, no, yeah. son. They say, okay, the first one's good to go. And then he just pours it upon them. He's, he's like, okay, they're not going to answer that one. We'll see what they do with this parable. Yeah. And he just pours it upon them that what you just said is exactly what you are not, because you are the no, no crowd. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You you don't say yes and you don't do it. You are the no-no crowd. And what does he tell them about who is this first uh, son in this this parable? I'll tell you what I'm saying. I think this is opinion here. This is the most beautiful part of this portion of of Scripture that we're looking at today. And this is what provides the ultimate clarity to Jesus curses the fig tree. Because what we're witnessing here is remember when Jesus goes to the fig tree, it's clothed with leaves. So therefore, it should also be clothed with the fruit of righteousness. Uh As Jesus approaches the, the chief priests and the elders of the people, that means he is approaching the people who are clothed with the clothing of righteousness. Therefore, they should be the people who are producing the fruit of righteousness, but it's not there. He's pointing out you, you guys, you are the second son. You're the one who said yes. You gave me the right answer. You showed me the right thing. You gave me the leaves. You gave me the clothing, but you, but there was no fruit. And yet Jesus says, now look at this, though. He says that the, the tax collectors, right? Ugh, tax collectors and prostitutes. Oh, my God. Ugh, the, pro- the worst of sinners, the prostitutes. These are the people that they don't have leaves. They didn't they didn't give me a, a, a fake response. Instead, they showed me their depravity. They were people who bore witness of their sin to me. And now what I am receiving of them is I'm seeing the fruit. Yes, they are sinners. Yes, they are, as we like to say on Sundays, poor, miserable sinners. And Jesus says, I love the poor, miserable sinners because you're the people who are producing fruit. You're the people that are going to lead people to Jesus. The first son, he goofed up at first. The tax collectors, they goofed Mm -hmm. up at first. The prostitutes, they goofed up at first. The first son, again, I'll say it, he goofed up at first. He gave the wrong answer. But when it actually came to his life, He produced fruit. He produced fruit that pointed people back to Jesus. I had a I had a a boss a number of years ago. I was an associate pastor at a church, a lead pastor that I respect so much. He used to come into my office regularly and and he didn't say how you doing, things like this. He'd say, Hey, hey, where's the fruit? And what he meant was this where is the fruit of your ministry? Who are you meeting with? Who are you pointing people to Jesus? 
Drew, I know you mess up. I know that you're a sinner. I got that. But show me where is Jesus producing fruit in your ministry? That's the only thing that's worth talking about. And I think we're seeing that here in the text too. Hey, sinners, any of you that are, that are out there listening, hey, sinners that are out there who feel guilty and are dragging around your shame, uh, you don't have to be wearing the leaves and you don't have to be dressed as nice as the chief priests and the elders of the law. Those are fake clothes. Will you produce fruit for Jesus and lead other people to him? I think that's what we're seeing. Hmm. Amen. Amen to that, Pastor. That is a, as we look at that, that brings all of it back together, which honest, when you read these in, in segments, like you mentioned at the beginning, three chunks, you don't see the connection. But when you put them together, like you have so beautifully, it is connected completely. In verse 32, he answers a question from the previous part. For John came to you in the way of righteousness. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. John came from heaven. Amen. Yep, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Because you're wondering, and you did not believe him. Mm-hmm. And now you look at the ones without the leaves, and they are the ones bearing fruit every step along the way. And you guys are not at all. So uh, it, it it pulls us to them, but then it also pulls us pulls it to us. Now, Pastor, I want to I want to ask this question. Is that in your previous congregation near Denver is that you did a lot of work with the homeless. And and it just kind of reminds me a little bit of how our church doesn't always look like the leaves (laughs) that you mentioned before. But the church is an eclectic group. So any any reflections on this and especially in the work that you've done and, and currently are doing? Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, since you brought that up with Denver, uh, um, I, I served a, a beautiful, wonderful congregation that allowed us to have uh, a, a large number of homeless folks come onto our property every single week. And and so that, that congregation is beautiful and wonderful, fearfully made, and they love Jesus. And there was, while we were early in that ministry, there was an error, a mistake that people used to say. Uh, that, that, that church service that especially targeted homeless was on Thursdays. And they'd say, hey, that's, that's like the JV church, right? And then varsity is on Sunday. And we eventually learned our error to that because we thought we thought Thursday church where people are dressed as nice, that's JV, uh, probably could have actually been flipped around because that group of people are people who, who knew what it was like to lean on their faith and everything, lean into Jesus, right? That the, the target of our faith, they knew how to lean into Jesus. Did when you walk by them, did it look like they had nice leaves of a fig tree? No, they weren't wearing the clothes. But man alive, did they know how to have faith in Jesus, the only one. Pastor, we have about a minute and a half left in our time. How would you summarize our text today and encourage our listeners? Oh, boy, I tell you, I I hope that for so many people in our country, in our world, I I hope that what we're able to start to see of ourselves is that uh, forgiveness is possible for you. Grace is bigger than your sin, right? That that the the fig tree it sure appeared to be a sinful tree in some way because it deceived Jesus and so he caused it uh, to wither. And I think sometimes we see ourselves as sinful people and we say, therefore I too shall be somebody who is withered and despised and needs to go away. That's not the hope of Jesus. The hope of Jesus is for those people who are sinners. The hope of Jesus is for those people uh, who wear their sin, 
the hope of the world is offered to the tax collectors and the prostitutes of this world. Now, Jesus does call us. He says, sin no more. So we listen to the words of Jesus. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we say, Jesus, show me how to do that. Show me how to sin no more. But as I'm in this pursuit of my life, please offer me forgiveness. And forgiveness only comes from Jesus. I, I love what you were saying. You made so clear earlier that our, our forgiveness doesn't come from our faith. Our forgiveness comes from our faith mm -hmm. in Jesus, no matter who you are, rich, poor, clothed well, not clothed at all. You have forgiveness that comes from Jesus alone. Pastor Drew Ross of Christ Lutheran Church in Costa Mesa, California, excuse me, church and school, giving us God's <laughs> strong word from Matthew chapter 21. Pastor Ross, thank you for bringing us his gifts. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.